Well, good morning. So good to see so many here today. For those who don't know me, my name's Wynn Bowman. I'm one of the pastoral staff here at Grace Church, and it's so good to be here to be able to share from God's Word today on Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Who has a dad? That, that was a trick question. I'm, I'm, I'm really surprised. I don't know where you all came from then, but happy Father's Day. Yes, certainly. We want to praise God for dads, and we're going to focus today on a message that is for everyone, especially parents, but I want to focus today especially on us as fathers because we want to honor our dads because of the influence that they've had in our lives. I don't know if you're familiar with the history of Father's Day. I'm a history. I like to look up the beginnings of things. So um, I did a little bit of research and found out that the idea of children honoring their fathers actually began in Spokane, Washington. A woman named Sonera Smart Dodd. Aaron, is that a relative of yours? I'm not sure. Anyway, she first thought about this idea to just really celebrate fathers uh, while listening to a Mother's Day sermon back in 1909. Yes, Mother's Day came first. And after her mom died, her father raised her, and she just wanted to tell him how special he was. He had made all the sacrifices of a good parent, and in his daughter's eyes, he was the epitome of courage and selflessness and a loving man. And so her father was born in June, so she inaugurated the first Father's Day celebration on the 19th of June in 1910. And then later in 1924, President Calvin Coolidge actually proclaimed the third Sunday of June as Father's Day, and here we are celebrating it again. Now, what do you think of when you think of dads? What comes to mind? What characteristics do you think of when you think of dads? Well, we were talking about this at our staff meeting, and it came up that bad dad jokes is one of the most common characteristics of dads. Anna actually brought that up. I'm wondering why she did that. But anyway, why do we get this rap, guys, that we tell bad jokes? Well, I did some research, and I understand now why we get this rap, and it's because the jokes are terrible. So here are five examples, and because we're in church today, I thought I'd do five Bible bad dad jokes. So here we go. Number one, where was King Solomon's temple located? Next to his ear. <laughs> Who was the most business savvy woman in the Bible? Pharaoh's daughter. She went down to the bank of the Nile and pulled out a little prophet. <laughs> At what time of the day was Adam created? A little before Eve. What kind of a person was Boaz before he got married? He was ruthless. Okay, last one here. What car did the wise men drive to see baby Jesus? A Honda. The Bible says the wise men all came in one accord. See, dads? We, uh, we have earned it, haven't we? We've earned it. Well, you know, it's actually not just bad jokes, but dads come up with all kinds of cliches, too. Do these sound familiar? When I was your age, I used to walk to school six feet of snow with the wind against me in both directions. <laughs> or, don't worry, it's just a scratch. 
or you don't know what hard work is, or money doesn't grow on trees, you know. Or this one, I don't know, go ask your mother. <laughs> and then this one, not right now, I'm busy. You know, when I read that last one, something really tugged at my heart because how often have I said that to my girls when they were younger? And it reminded me of just the great responsibility that we have as fathers to be there for our kids. Did you know that fatherless homes is still one of the greatest tragedies facing the family today? And it doesn't just refer to fathers who have abandoned their families, but it absenteeism can happen right in our homes when we're together as a family. And so, men, if you're a dad here today, you and I need to be present for our families. We need to be there for our kids. And it's more than just being physically present. It's about being engaged in the lives of our kids. And that extends even grandparents to our grandkids as well. The Bible gives us as parents, a pretty clear direction about what our role needs to be in our homes. And so today, uh, when God gave the law, before I get into our, our message topics, when God gave the law, he gave this commandment that he wanted his instructions to his people, Israel. He wanted them to be passed on from generation to generation. And how did he want us to do that? Well, he wanted us to do that through the family. Let me read this passage. I put it up on the screen just because it's such an important one. It's not the text I'm focusing on today, but listen to this. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts, God says. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the doorposts of your house. And on your gates. God's word is to be an integral part of our lives as parents. And that we, both moms and dads, are responsible to pass these words from God on to our children. He wants his word transmitted from one generation to the next. And it happens through the family. And today I want to encourage us, each of us who are parents, but especially us as dads, about God's mandate for our lives. This is a text I want you to now turn to. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. It's in the New Testament, one of Paul's letters. And I'm going to be reading verses 9 to 12 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9 to 12. And this is taken from the older version of the NIV, the 1984 version. The Apostle Paul wrote this, says, Surely you remember, brothers, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were to you who believed. And you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Let me pray. God, thank you for your word, and I pray you'd open our hearts to hear from you again this morning, especially those here that are watching online or in, in the building here today that are dads, Lord. 
maybe even those that are spiritual dads, the people in their lives, Lord. We, we pray that you'd open our hearts to hear from you today, to take these nuggets of truth from your word and apply them to our lives. Thank you for your word to us. Bless it to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. So here in chapter 2, the author of this letter, the Apostle Paul, is writing to Christians in a church in a city called Thessalonica. And he's talking about the early ministry that he had and his ministry partners, Silas and Timothy, had when he came to preach the message of the gospel of Jesus to the people in that city. And here in our text, Paul describes the way that he and his companions conducted themselves among these believers in this church. And he explains things by, by comparing his behavior to the way that a concerned father cares for his children. It's a beautiful metaphor, and I hope that today that we who are dads and really all of us as, as parents or spiritual parents, are, we can learn from this today in this way that Paul uses this metaphor. The word Paul uses here in the text for children reinforces the affection that he really had for these believers in Thessalonica. An affection, an affection that Paul says was like a father's affection for his children. So dads, first and foremost, I think we learn here that we need to love our children so much that we recognize the responsibility that we have to be influencers in their lives and to take that responsibility seriously. Here in this passage, as we consider Paul's comparison, we see some important principles for us as, as fathers. And today, I want to remind us of these important principles to encourage us in our role as dads. And that includes the dads here today, those watching online, whether you're a follower of Jesus or you're not there yet and you're still exploring Christianity and learning what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus. This is all principles that can apply to you and your family. But let me just say to those dads who are followers of Jesus, these principles are especially important for us because not just is it about fathers and children, the Bible calls us that we are also spiritual leaders in our homes. And so today I want us to see three things that this passage highlights in relation to us as dads and the way that we influence our children and if you know me, you know how much I like to alliterate my sermon points. So thanks to Warren Wearsby's commentary on this passage, he gave three words that I'm going to weave into my points this morning. So remember these three words, work, walk, and words. Let's look at our passage again. Look at verse 9. Paul says, surely you remember, brothers, our toil and hardship." We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. Paul says that he toiled. He, he worked hard. He was working night and day. He did whatever was necessary to provide for his needs so that he wouldn't be a burden to the Christians in that church there in Thessalonica. And so he worked hard to make sure he was provided for so they wouldn't have to worry about that. And this attitude of working hard so that his needs could be met and he didn't want to be a burden, doesn't just apply to this church. Also, he wrote to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians the same message. He says, 
I will not be a burden to you. I don't want what you have. I want you, he says. After all, children don't provide for their parents. Rather, again, this metaphor, parents provide for their children. Dads, parents, God has given us a mandate to work hard and provide for and support our families. We're called to work hard to ensure our children are cared for and protected and they have their basic needs met, but it's, it's not just the provision that's important. Beyond that, I think we also learn from Paul's example just in his work ethic itself. Paul reminds us that we need to demonstrate to our, our children the importance of working hard. You see, nothing in life is free. In the second letter to this church in Thessalonica, Paul says this in his chapter 3, verse 7 to 9, For you yourselves know you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day, laboring and toiling, so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this not because we do not have the right to such help, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you to imitate. You see, that's our first priority today, dads. The Bible teaches us, parents, but especially dads as leaders in our home, that we need... Thank you. We are responsible to provide for our families and then set an example of what it means to work hard. God has commanded us to work to support our families, and we need to teach our children this responsibility about the importance of hard work, about the importance of earning an income so that they too can provide for their own needs, and then later on their family as well. We need to help them understand the value of money and how currency works and how we need that in order to survive. And this begins even when they're young with their schoolwork, giving them chores to do around the house. Proverbs 13 says, A sluggard's appetite is never filled, but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. I was reading some Focus on the Family articles about parenting, and one of the reoccurring themes in these articles was parents complaining about how lazy their kids are, about not helping them around the house and things like that. And the author of the article pointed, pointed out some good strategies, but highlighted that often the problem is not with the kids. It's with us as parents. And I think we live in a generation where we as parents want to make life for our kids as easy as possible, as problem-free as possible. And so we solve all their problems for them. And rather than coaching them how to take responsibility and understand the value of work and that money and time and talents are things that God has stewarded to us to use for his service and to use in a responsible way. Parents and dads, we, we need to be teaching our children the importance of working hard so that when they face the challenges of life, they will be prepared to solve their own problems and realize that hard work is part of that process. And it begins, dads, by showing them through our own example of our work ethic. And so number one, we influence, we influence our kids through the way that we work. Secondly, let's, let's look at our text again in verse 10. You are witnesses, Paul says, and so is God of how holy Righteous and blameless we were among you who believed. 
Dads, we're called to be an example to our children through the way we behave, through our actions, the way we live, our day-to-day comings and goings and how we behave. Parents, do you realize how much your children watch your behavior? Kids are so perceptive. Andrea and I, when we were, I often go through my message with Andrea on Saturdays, and she said, oh, that reminded me of a funny story. She was teaching Anna when she was very young about having patience. Because Anna was getting really frustrated with some things that were going on at school, whether it was kids or the teacher or whatever. She was very frustrated. So Andrew was teaching her about patience. Well, you can imagine what happened. One day, Andrew's getting Anna ready for school, and they were late because Andrew would drive her to school, and they were late, and it was going to be, you know, that she had to then not get into the class on time, and so she was rushing her, and Anna was being nitpicky with her clothes, and didn't like wrinkles in her socks and shoes. And so Andrea was getting frustrated and really showing Anna that she was getting frustrated. And Anna looks up and says, Mommy, are you being patient with me right now? <laughs> our kids observe our behavior and learn from it. Everything we say and do filters through their eyes and ears and they begin to develop their behaviors based on the way we behave. And especially for us dads, we who are Christians, we need to be modeling to our children how to walk in a close relationship with Jesus. And that's our second point here this morning. We are responsible to model for our kids a close walk with Jesus. Paul uses three words in our text to describe what type of behavior we need to be modeling. He says that he behaved holy, righteous, and blameless towards the believers there in that church in Thessalonica. Holiness speaks about our relationship with God. Dad's one of the greatest examples we can set for our kids is how they observe us in our relationship with God. Do your children see you committed in your devotional life? Do they observe you reading God's word regularly? Do they see you praying to God on your own? But do you also lead your family in prayer time together as a family? It's so important for us dads that our kids see that God is the first priority in our lives. Are they seeing that in you? But it goes beyond just our personal time with God. Where does church life fit in to our family priorities, dads? The Bible teaches how important it is for followers of Jesus to be worshiping together as the body of Christ like we're all doing here again today. Are you making a commitment to lead your family to come to church so that we can worship together as God's family? One day we as dads are going to stand before Jesus and we're going to answer for how we have led our children to be living for him and also to be an integral part of his body, the church. Secondly, Paul says he behaved righteously. That speaks about our relationship with respect to doing what's right. We need to be teaching our kids to do what's right rather than what comes easy. Do we teach our kids to respect those who are in authority over us? Do we teach our kids to respect other people's property? I remember when the girls were young, 
by the way, the two girls that were up doing announcements are my daughters, Anna and Mariah. When they were young, we had a paper route for them. Um, we signed up for it. We thought it would be good. Um, the instructions from the newspaper company were clear. Don't cross over people's lawns or go through their gardens. Walk only on their driveways. Do you know how much extra walking is involved <laughs> to not just cut across the lawn quickly to get to the next house? But yeah, we explained to the girls that walking on the lawn or through someone's garden doesn't respect them or their property. And so we made sure that we always walked up and back down the driveway again. You see, doing what's right often involves extra effort. Sometimes doing what's right also involves us swallowing our pride as well. Do you apologize to your kids, dads? When you've done something to hurt them or upset them. I think it's one of the most humbling experiences, especially when your kids are young. There have been many occasions when I've had to apologize to my girls for overreacting out of frustration or being short with them or just raising my voice about something that they've done. My sharp words, my harsh tone can dig deep and hurt. And so I had to go to them many times and say, I'm sorry, I got frustrated with you. Dads, demonstrate to your kids that it's more important to do what's right than letting pride take over and just brushing those things under the carpet and let hurt in relationships remain. We want our children to be conscious of doing what's right, even if it involves extra work or swallowing our pride. So let's teach our kids how to live righteous lives. Finally, the third characteristic Paul says is that he was blameless in his behavior. Blamelessness involves our relationship with other people. Dad, we need to teach our kids to treat other people well, to treat them with love, to treat them with respect. And that includes people that maybe don't agree with us or treat us the way that we want to be, them to be treated. You know, it's easy that we can get frustrated with some things that other people do in life. Uh, I know I've been sometimes frustrated with the policies at school about what kids can and can't do and can and can't wear. Maybe it's a teacher uh, that you're frustrated with because of challenges with your children in the classroom. Maybe it's a neighbor that parks his car right in front of your house every night and it just drives you crazy. Or they blow their leaves in your lawn on your lawn in the fall. Maybe we get frustrated about something that happened at church. Well, the point is we need to be cautious about the way that we talk about other people in front of our children. We need to demonstrate love and respect in front of our kids so that they too learn what it looks like to respect other people, even ones that don't agree with us. Paul talks about in Philippians 2, he says, be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. And as parents, we want our kids to hold onto authority over them with respect, and that includes those that don't do things the way that we want them to be. Needs to model behavior that honors the name of Jesus. And so our kids can learn from that example. So first, we influence our children through our work. Secondly, we influence our children by our walk, how they observe our actions. Finally, 
our text teaches us that one of the most important ways that we influence our children is through our words. Look at our text again in verse 11. Paul says, For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, urging you to live a life worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Dads, we need to be instructors and motivators of our kids. And that can only happen when we sit down with them and we have conversations about what's going on in their lives. And and if you struggle to do that, let me give you a little bit of a help. We have started as a family going through this book. It's called 3,000 Questions About Me. It's excellent. It's questions like simple. What's your favorite color? And then you go around in your family and you ask, what's your favorite color? And you just learn something about each person in your family. Or who's your greatest hero in life? There are questions that start conversations. Some of them are really deep. Might not be appropriate for really young kids, but I know some families that have really picked up on this book and are using it to have conversations in their homes to help each other grow in our relationship with one another as a family, but learning about what's on your kids' hearts, what's on their minds, so that we can help be influencers in their lives to live for Jesus. We need to help navigate, our kids navigate the chaos in this world that's around us to keep them focused on what God wants for them and how to live. And Paul says three ways that we can do this. He uses the word encourage, comfort, and urge quickly let's go through those encouraging means that we are positively appealing to them in their actions the greek word actually means to come alongside there it's the same word that jesus used when he described the coming holy spirit he says i will send my helper dads just as the holy spirit is our guide in our life to to come alongside us to encourage us and strengthen us and direct us so we too come alongside our kids to help them through the troubles of life to to instruct them and, and direct them to make decisions that will align with god's will secondly paul uses this word comfort we live in a world where we make mistakes and fail we need to be We need to help our kids understand that failure and disappointment is a regular part of life that can't be avoided. We need to just learn how to deal with it. But our kids need to know that we are there for them, that we can help them, that we can urge them and and help them to understand that failure and mistakes are okay and that it's an important part of life because through them we often then learn how much we are dependent on God to help us get back on track again. Dads, we need to be there to comfort our children in these times of difficulty and heartache. Finally, Paul uses this word that helps with motivational behavior. He says, urging them. It's a strong word. It talks about persuading them with authority. These are the things that we need to say to our kids with the authority that God has given them as their dads to help guide them and motivate them to act. And to what end are we to encourage, comfort, and urge? Well, Paul says, to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. See, dads, our number one goal with our word should be to point our children to Jesus. And that's our final point here this morning. 
We are responsible to instruct our kids with words that help them live for Jesus. We need to use our words to guide and direct them to align their lives with the way that Jesus wants us to live. And that's the spiritual leadership, dads, that we're called to, that God has called us to, to provide for our children. And one of the best ways to encourage, urge, and motivate our kids is through sharing our own personal experiences with them. Dads, we need to be sharing our faith experiences with our kids so that they can see what living like G- with Jesus looks like. Do you share your faith stories with your kids? Do you tell them about the struggles perhaps you've gone through, the doubts you've had, and how God has helped you to overcome those? Have you told them about how Jesus helped you through a difficult situation by guiding you and directing you to make different decisions and wise choices? Don't hide your struggles from your kids because they need to see that life will be difficult. But with Jesus... We can have hope and peace because his spirit is in us to guide us through the difficulties and give us the strength we need to persevere. Dads, are you pointing your children to Jesus? Are you helping them understand how much you need him in your life so that they will depend on him for their lives too? And maybe you're a dad here today or watching online and you're not a follower of Jesus yet. Well, let me just encourage you with this. Personally, as a dad, my girls are young adults now, but I remember when they were younger, the challenges of parenting, sometimes feeling helpless or hopeless. But God was always there to provide strength and wisdom and direction one day at a time to help us through it. And I can't imagine trying to raise kids today without Jesus to guide us. Louis talked about God's spirit coming to live in us when we surrender our lives to Jesus. And his spirit will help guide you as a dad, as a parent as well. And if you want to know more about what does that mean to have this relationship with Jesus, let me invite you to come to our next step class, step into faith right after the service in the boardroom, just past the info desk there. We'll be talking about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So fathers, dads here today, God's words gives us a clear mandate. None of us have it all together. I don't have it all together as a dad. And as I was thinking about this message today, uh, it was greatly challenging to me in my own role as a father. Dads, you and I, we have a great responsibility to influence the lives of our kids through the example that we give and how we work, our work ethic, through observing them, observing our spiritual walk and how we depend on Jesus in our lives, but especially with our words, speaking wisdom and truth and encourage them to find their hope in Jesus as well. That's let's not... Let's live out this mandate to be there for our kids and faithfully keep pointing them to Jesus. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your grace. Thank you that your word gives us clear direction for so many areas of our lives, Lord, and for us as dads, Lord. It it gives us instruction on how we can be better fathers to our children. 
And God, I thank you that you offer your Holy Spirit so that if there's someone here today that is a dad but is struggling, you can provide hope and comfort and wisdom and direction when they surrender their life to you and your spirit comes to live in them. I pray that for those that are here today that have not surrendered their life to Jesus yet. And God, for us who are followers of Jesus, give us ongoing courage and strength through your spirit to be an example to our kids, to use words that encourage and point them to Jesus, Lord. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your faithfulness that we sang about earlier. We praise you. We want to do all this to bring glory to your name, our Heavenly Father. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.